All right, the cave is now open. Welcome to today's Dad Cave. This is sharing superhero secrets of fatherhood of the dads, by the dads, for the dads. We are at today's Dad Cave all over social media. Uh, drop us a line, todaysdadcave at gmail.com. I am Rick. I'm Steve. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, this is kind of going to be the first of many. We're going to be having guests on here, whether if it's dads, moms, doesn't matter who, um, parents. It all has to do about parenting and everybody's different stories um, that they have to share. And today we have Ben. And now Ben is a good friend of Steve's. Yep. And uh, Ben has a very, very interesting story. Um, he's a father. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm just going to kind of let you take it from here. So welcome, Ben. Hey, thank welcome. you. Welcome. Yeah. Happy to be here. Good so one of, the th- one of the things that you were talking about with us earlier is, you know, to kind of understand the type of dad or the kind of dad that you are, what makes you a dad, is growing up, uh, you know, what family meant for you growing up. So why don't you go and start with that? Oh, that's a good place to start. Um, well, first off, you know, the more I live my life, the more I realize that normal isn't an actual thing. It's more of just an idea. But so my normal of what a family is is completely different than most people that I know um, think of normal as for a family. So I grew up on the East Coast. Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, right down the street from my good buddy Steve. Yep. Um, we grew up in pretty much the same type of environment. But our families were a little different in the in regards to the fact that I had eight. I'm sorry, I had seven siblings. I have five brothers and two sisters. Uh, me and my two older brothers were biological, and my five other siblings were all adopted. So, uh, are you the youngest? So, I am the third child. The third, okay, of so the I, biological of the biological right. children. So, I had two older brothers. Then myself, and then I guess I tore my mom up pretty bad on the way out because she had to have a partial hysterectomy and okay. couldn't have any more kids. All righty. I don't know if that's yeah, oversharing no, 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 or not. No, but not at all. Right. Right. I didn't yeah. know that. But the uh, long story short is she, they could no longer conceive nor, you know, naturally, and so they wanted to have more kids, so they started adopting. Um, on top of all that, my mother is also b- completely blind. She went blind when she was 13. Oh, wow. Um was that just a... Uh, she has a genetic disorder, okay. which I can't really pronounce. It's German. Um, it's a German name. Got it. But uh, it's a connective tissue disorder. They really didn't know anything about it at the time. And, you know, she just, you know, macular degeneration just slowly lost her eyesight until finally she went blind. And So you said that's genetic? So it does it affect genetic. you or your kids or so any of your brothers or sisters? Along the way... Um, Johns Hopkins University actually did a study uh, with on my family plus another family in Brazil to study this rare uh, genetic disorder. And through all of that, they were able to actually come up with a genetic screening. I don't have the genetic characteristics, but my brother does have it. He's also he's blind in one eye and has low wow. vision in his uh, remaining eye. Um, and then he has children that have the same thing as well. Oh, wow. Um, but my, me and my older brother, we don't have it. And then my older brother's two children don't have it. He has he has two children that has it and two children that do not have it. Hmm. Excuse me. So on top of, you know, so we were a multi-racial family. So I have uh, a brother and a sister who were adopted from Jamaica. I have a 
the first the first adoption was actually my sister from Korea, mm-hmm. South Korea, and the other two were from uh, Baltimore, the inner city of Baltimore, uh, fatherhood unknown, but you know African American mix of something. So you know the you know a tri-racial family, if you will. Because oh, um, Korean, Korean, African American, white. Correct. And so when they were adopted, though, so are we talking they are adopted at infancy? How old were they when when each one was adopted? So it was a range. Um, I think the oldest was a two. So mm-hmm. they it, they were all you know babies or younger. So my my sister was two from Korea, and all the other ones were infants or around one or younger at the time so you know so we are we are all that they know as a family i guess you could say mm-hmm. um so no like awkward family integration mm-hmm. stories or anything like mm-hmm. that it was just like oh you're my brother yeah you're my sister which and, and it didn't even strike me as like those you know i know people say like oh i'm colorblind i don't see race mm-hmm. but like i can honestly say i grew up most of my life not realizing yeah. that that was an issue like like people making decisions and biases and judgments based upon the color of one's skin like i mean and it didn't i guess it didn't also didn't help that we also grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood Mm. um so it just it just wasn't really an issue um at least i didn't recognize it as an issue at least outside of my small sphere of influence while i was growing up um it wasn't until i started expanding my horizons as well as a teenager that, you know, these ideas started creeping in about, you know, what it means to be black or African American mm-hmm. or Asian or any other, mm-hmm. you know, race for that matter. And and I guess in the, and for me, that was a good thing because I had already made a lot of assumptions and things about that. Like, basically, there is no difference, right? Right. Whereas, you know... I already had all these preconceived notions of black, white, mm-hmm. Asian, whatever it is. And, it, you know, when people started, when I started hearing these other ideas, it just sounded so mm. preposterous to right, me. Yeah. And then, and to me, and it's almost sad, like growing up to see like just how much like people buy into these ideal ideologies and, you know, feelings and emotions and things that are like so deep seated. And to me, the reason that that, persists is because parents teach it to their children just as my parents taught me one way where i don't see those things you know other parents through active or passive behavior teach those things to their children and it perpetuates right and so you guys were taught exactly it's a a transparency of just people being people uh and not based off of right and i would say so it wasn't like an active teaching it was just a Mm, passive teacher like it was it's just this is life, and this is this is how it is. Right, right. Was there a certain point or a certain age to where they started to be a little bit more curious about the cultures and other things that where, where they I don't want to say where they came from, but uh, you know, it, based on their um, color, ethnicity, um, curious about learning more about uh, kind of what makes really their DNA. <laughs> so, I mean. Yes, but that's more of a question for them, and that yeah. didn't happen till much until more or less I was gone and out of the family. For sure. Um, and my, you know, I know some of them have, some most of them haven't. Um, and once again, that's a unique 
experience that you'd have to ask them about why or why not. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that I, I didn't go through that with them. That was something they went on. Like once again, being one of the older ones that happened after I was gone and not around. Mm-hmm. So growing up in that type of family um, and then fast forward to you being a father, I guess what kind of maybe, I, I don't uh, <coughs> well, tradi- principles or yeah, what things that, that you learned growing up, what, would you like to transfer over to so, your kids right. today? Because it's a totally different experience for your kids, right? And like you said, it was in a very passive, transparent way. It wasn't like, hey, let's all recognize that, you know, these people over here are not by, you know, you, you didn't need to say that. It, 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 right. And, and the, the biggest thing was like, so there's obviously a very strong foundational, like family is pretty much one of them. I mean, it was a very religious house. So it would be, you know, God, family, school, whatever else. But like family is like, that's the foundation, right? Like that's the most important thing that's going to supersede anything, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I, I feel like, I mean, most families are that way, but for me that just really, that's what's important, right? I mean, I had a lot more responsibilities growing up, up than most people did. So, okay. So on top of my mother being blind, um, my sister, the first one that they adopted from Korea, she's a hundred percent blind as well, which is the reason they placed her in the, it, with uh, my parents was, well, you're blind. You mm. have that experience. Well, you, you could probably do well raising a blind child. Um, unbeknownst to my parents at the time, um, my sister's also very as well. Asperger's is no longer a thing, but she's high functioning autism, mm-hmm. um, which they had no idea at the time. The Korean um, uh, orphanages aren't very. They're not very. Good, when you I guess s- you should say. When you say Asperger's is no longer a thing, they uh, just they redefine that into a, a spectrum of autism? That is correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she, she's on the spectrum, you'd say. So she, it's high-functioning, low-functioning. Asperger's used to define high-functioning type of autism. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they just made it one label, which my sister was very upset about because she was very proud of her Aspie uh, oh, okay. label. <laughs> just, just, just ask her about it sometime. She'll tell mm-hmm. you. Um. So, so she had her special needs, and uh, other siblings that we adopted had special needs thereafter. One of my younger brothers, he was uh, born with congenital syphilis, and he actually had a hole in his heart. And oh so for the first goodness. year of his life, he was actually on a heart monitor. Um, so a n- completely normal thing for me, you know, is like I'd be out, oh, heart, you know, alert goes off my mom's home alone she calls and has me come home and read off what's on the heart monitor because that's a normal thing for someone in fifth grade to have to do wow like all right go okay well i mean you know nine times out of ten it's just you know the he pulled the cord out of the thing and it's Mm. beeping um but you know just you know different levels of responsibility that i would say probably aren't normal among most adolescent kids um, as well as just the extra shared responsibilities in a house that big with special needs children, like how much more things you have to, you know, do, you know, cleaning, cooking, taking care of the kids. You know, I, I knew how to change diapers when I was 10 years old or some, right. Some there. And I was just about to say, yeah, it, it not you growing up, it not only teaches you the normal response, uh, quote unquote, normal responsibilities of a kid growing up, but you were also in care of, these people with special needs and 
you that kind of had to have propelled you into a completely different realm of being responsible. And and yes, and at the time, and I certainly wouldn't have. It wasn't the focus on the fact that they were special needs. It was the fact that they're children. As a family, we care and take care of each other. Of course, exactly. um, You know, it, you know, my mom probably could have been cited and still needed help with, mm. you know, a ton of kids running around the house, and you know, and anyway, so that that was my normal, just growing up, taking care of family, yeah. no questions asked, all the time, first priority. At a lot um, higher level of responsibility than maybe a typical teenager would have. For sure. Absolutely. In fact, I would say that you and many of my friends have maybe have given me a hard time at some point or another, having not being able to do certain activities. I was for sure. I was just about to ask you about that. It is and not to you know. Oh, do, is there any? Re- I'm not not even using the word resentment or. But is yeah. I mean, growing up, you know, especially maybe when you're in your teens, does it did it ever get to a point like God? I really want to go out with my friends, or I really want to do this. Um, <laughs> And again, not not saying that you resented your family members, but you know, was how much of it was like, man, I just I just want to be, you know, I just want to do something for myself right now. I absolutely had those emotions. I would never say that it ever turned into anything close to resentment because you know the, despite all the mistakes, I would say that my parents made or we all made. Like I I I never developed any sort of to me it was it was all love. It was. Mm-hmm. My parents were a great example of having open hearts and loving their children unconditionally and bringing in other children to make their children love yeah. unconditionally. And I guess that's that to me was probably the biggest thing that affected my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they weren't perfect. I certainly wasn't perfect. Lots of mistakes made all around. But, you know, you know, if you ever talk to my father at any time about religion, like one of the things he's always going to come back to is just how it's about love. You know, as far as his Christian, his Christian faith and that faith and everything that goes with it, it's, it's, it really comes down to love, not to sound too hippie or touchy feeling. No, but, no, not at all. Not at all. But, uh, no. and, and he definitely did a really good job of living that and not just, I mean, I would say he didn't really say it a lot, but he definitely lived that. And, and I learned that. And that's that has had probably the biggest influence on me and my fatherhood, I guess, is me and how I view fatherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast forward, do you want to let's go into how fatherhood began for you then? Well, it starts when a man and a woman <laughs> really love each other. And they, uh, <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Okay. That did not happen to me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, throughout the uh, my path in life, I uh, ended up moving from the East Coast to the West Coast. I, I enlisted in the Marine Corps. A lot of my friends did, and I did that whole thing. Went to Iraq, came back. I was stationed in Camp Pendleton at the time, Camp Pendleton. And the night I got back, I met a girl, and then ten days later, we got married in Vegas. It's completely normal, oh, of course. <laughs> Um, you know, in retrospect, there was probably some untreated PTSD issues and some other, um, reassimilation into normal life issues. Um, I would say that most of my friends would say that that was not a characteristic that I have of definitely not a normal 
Benjamin Seferati move. No. That is for sure. Um, I'm typically a little more thought out. and. Uh, um, no, you're a very practical man who, you know, makes decisions based on rational, you know, cause and effect. Like, okay, well, this is what's happening now. And this is what's going to happen then. And yeah. So that happened. Um, and, and out of that, I, I gained a son. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, 10 days isn't long enough to really know someone to say that you want to spend the rest of your life with them. So as you can imagine, that relationship didn't last very long. Um, but we had to re- had a kid. Um, I'm not going to get into too many details, but it... You know, we had more or less split up, and I had moved back to the East Coast, and then I get a call and, and informed that I am possibly the father of a child, and the fact that I was possibly the father was one of the issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, uh, you know, fast forward not nine months later, I child is born. I come back out here to California. Wait, did, did you... We we all came back, right? So, so yeah, I was working in Vermont at the time with my brother as a plumber or plumber's apprentice. And so I actually flew out here and I met Nick and Steve and Ray was living here at the time. And one of the purposes of coming out here was to rescue Ray from his debauchery and <laughs> lifestyle. It was to rescue Ray. So, so these are, a, sorry, these are childhood sorry, friends. Yeah, these are another childhood friend. Okay. Also joined the Marine Corps. Oh, I see. Um, right. So I'm working back on the East Coast. And then, so Ray's in a little bit of trouble. Let's just say that, right? I, well. Maybe so not he, so much trouble. Maybe he's in a lifestyle that we were like, oh, red flags. Maybe this, he shouldn't be, you know acting this way and then um so and then ben has yeah go ahead so we sort of coincided the trip with you know i'm coming out here i'm mm-hmm. gonna do a dna check my son's mm-hmm. what five days he my son was born on, on christmas day and i believe we did it was we like, were there it was in like January. yeah it was like right after new yeah. year's so it was my son was like a week or two old when yep you know, did they, I mean, and honestly, like I took one look at him, and he, everybody took one look. Yeah, at him, so. we all took one look, and um, we saw the picture, and we're like, like I don't think we, yeah. I don't think we need a DNA <laughs> test here. That's your kid. That looks exactly like you, Ben. Got it. And, like, oh, okay. Yeah. But I mean, prudence, you know, being having gained some of my rationality at that time, I did proceed and do the DNA check. Um, at the time, I didn't know what I was going to be doing with my life, so, so you know that trip. Me, Nick, and Ray ended up driving cross country to uh, get back to the East Coast. Um, I think it was on the way that you got the results that, back. Yeah, to call mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Like, so how it happened is we all went out. We all went out to to Cali because you know I'm living in Maryland. Uh, where's Nick living at this time? I don't even know. My buddy I th- Nick. I think he was in West Virginia. He's in West Virginia. Um, so we hear you know, you know our good our good friend Ray need some help and then ben was just back in maryland and then he needs to figure out if this kid's his or not right so we're like all right screw it let's all go out so we all go out to california together as like this you know i don't know fabulous four is that what it is right i, I think we call it the dirt bag tour the dirt, oh it was called the dirt bag tour of 2000 and something who knows what year you guys are like so a coming of age ago. movie yeah we know this would be a great this would be a fun <laughs> movie right yeah. Yeah, you're no, you're 100 percent right. 
Uh, so we, so right as soon as we see the kid, we're like, oh, that's that's Ben's kid, hundred mm. percent, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And then, but anyway, we rescue Ray, and then we're as we're on the way back, I can see how 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 much this is like affecting Ben because he's mm. in the back seat of this of the two door Honda Civic with another man's life on top of the car here, <laughs> and we're driving through the Rockies, and it's snow. Oh it's in January, gosh. right? So we come in from Southern California where it's, you know, never above, what, 80 degrees yeah. in the mm-hmm. in the wintertime mm. and in the day. And then we're going through the Rockies, and so, of course, we have, like, that regular water in the... Uh, Oh, shoot, the regular water just in like the car, or, like the Wind washer windshield wiper, right? Right. And so that stuff is freezing on the oh, thing, and man. so I'm trying to like get. Oh, it's just it was a mess, man. It was a complete. So four complete four mess. guys in a completely bogged down Honda Civic four banger, yep. going up the seventy up the Rocky Mountains. I want to say second gear. You know, foot to the floor, maybe hitting thirty miles an yeah, hour. Just trying to as get the, up over as the these Rockies. eighteen wheelers are flying by. You know, with you know an inch or two of snow on the road, it was it was, it was super sketchy. It, it was a fun time. It was a fun time. Super sketchy. I hope the driver was super responsible. No, oh, <laughs> the bad? driver, I, I, the drivers. We oh, took shifts. You guys took shifts. And okay. it, was, it, it was like, okay, who's the most sober? Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't like who's completely sober. It was who's the most. Who's sober. the most? Yeah. <laughs> and that's how we made it back to the East Coast. Okay. But on that trip, yes. I, I see Ben looking at a picture so, okay. of what is his son. I can just I can see mm-hmm. in him at this point like this internal I don't want to say struggle, but this internal like, oh shit, man, this is real. Like this is my kid. Like I see the gears turning and in t- inside this guy's head and you know, but then you said you got do. the. But then you said you got the results. So yep. yeah, we we had called Nick's mother, uh, a woman at this point. I, at that point, I still had never met in my life, Gail, and had her go online and peer out. I think like every day, like every oh, wow. to have her check. Hey, did the results come? Can you yeah, log yeah. in here? Can you check? Because mm-hmm. you know we didn't have internet on the road. And smart, yeah, I don't smart think smartphones yeah. weren't really. A, that wasn't really that a, thing a thing at that time. Um, and again, that's why we. That's why one of the reasons. Ben went with us back to California from Maryland. It was to get DNA sample mm-hmm. from him. So yeah, it's crazy times. So that yeah, that so that each guy in the car had their own different shit going on in their that's, life. That's very true. Hundred <laughs> percent true. Absolutely. Oh yeah. man, but, that is insane. But this show's about me, so yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so you got the results as you were coming home. I, yeah, it was. Uh, okay. I think it was one of the last days. You know, no surprise there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are the father, mm-hmm. uh, which you know, you know. At that point, I didn't even really have any doubts. Yeah. It, was, it was more just like the final check mark. Say, okay, well, this is my life now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, like, in, in, like instantly, immediately, like my first thought is, well, now I have now I'm moving back to California. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, the idea of staying living on the East Coast didn't even cross my mind. So had you had discussions with the mom then, or were you guys trying to figure something out, or were you just in your own head like, hey, this is what I'm going to do? Correct. Um, You know, I'm not going to get into too many of the details with the dynamics between me and my children's mother, but, uh, you know, there is conflict, as you can imagine. Um, But I basically informed her, yeah. um, yeah, I let her know, yeah, this is... Results came back. I'm the father, and I'll, I'm going to be saving up some money here and moving out and 
taking care of my son. Um, it did take me a lot longer than I thought it would. It, it actually took me almost the better part of two years before I was able to save up enough money to get out there. Um, in the meantime, I was like flying out like every two months just, oh, wow. just to see him. Um, you know, a, lo- a lot of time lost lost there, but it was, uh, yeah, that was, that was definitely a tough time for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, it sounds like you were doing everything you could though. Every two, I mean, that's, that's pretty big of you to be flying back and forth to see your, your newborn. And, and, you know, I'm not trying to stereotype dads here, but I think, I think in, in other situations, uh, a, a mother of, you know, uh, this situation, um, you know, God, you could have waited like six months. You could have waited a year or something like that. Or, but it sounds like you were doing everything and anything you could to come back as often as possible, right? And I did. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, and the, I would say the conflict between me and the mom had a big influence on how long it took me to get out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of support doing that. Um, my, my parents supported me, obviously, but it was tough. Um, yeah, so two years later, I packed up everything I owned, which mm-hmm. wasn't much. So tell me more about that. How did you make that transition? Because for me, thinking about doing something like that is insane. It's like super <laughs> crazy. Well, like I'm going to pick up my whole life and move out to the West Coast without hardly, you know, you know, it, it was a culmination of the inevitable for me. It was just like, I, this is what I'm doing. Like, I have a child here. Like, you know, just my, the small weekend visits I've had, you know, interacting with him. I mean, obviously he was already a great kid, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I loved him. Um, You know, n- no offense to all my friends and family back home, but there was, you know, it wasn't even, didn't hold a candle to. Right. Like yeah. what I saw as like, you know, my fulfillment. You know, like this is this is what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Did you have any other friends or family, close relatives that lived out here at all? Nobody. No and, and 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 that's, you know, and and the more I like think about it in retrospect, the more like I'm almost like amazed. Like, wow, did I really do that? No, like, that's why. That's why like, I'm saying. Like, you know, no one. You just like and, and blind I, faith come out here and and hope something's gonna work out. It's. I, I I never I don't think I ever really processed those feelings real time of mm-hmm. what I was actually doing. It was more of like this is what I do. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is simply the next step. Like, but then mm-hmm. I, then I think about it. It's like you know I, I remember that you know we had kind of had a good goodbye party at Steve's house. Like Ben's mm-hmm. Ben's leaving, um, and for a lot of I mean honestly for a lot of people that may have been the last time I saw many of those individuals. Even the many trips I've made back, you know, just a new stage of life started for me and uh yeah i packed up everything drove across the country again this time by myself no friends out here no family out here i had a a contact for a job um through the job i had the east coast um yeah just had some little bit of money in the bank account and some clothes in the trunk wow yeah Uh, yeah I remember it being really hard to see you go, but I remembered such, I don't know, admiration for you. And like, man, that guy's got some guts. Mm -hmm. You know, he really loves his son. He's going to 
you know, leave because I mean, you had everything here on the east on the east coast, right? You had a family, you had I had a support I had, group, you had everything. I had a pretty decent paying job, yep, I had good a, job, and then he decides to leave it all, and well, you know, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what that's, you did. That's what you, that's at the time. Yeah, that's what I had to do. Yeah, but for him, like he was saying, it's for it seems like even when you tell when you're telling the story that it was a no brainer. Like right. this is exactly what you wanted to do. It, I, it's there is definitely no hesitation yeah. at mm-hmm. all. Like right. I, I, you know, you know, I mean, obviously internally nervous, you know, some trepidation. Like there's a lot of unknowns, um, but also on the on the same note, it was also kind of exciting. It was like. Mm-hmm. Setting off on an adventure, um, you know, California's not a bad place to go for that. Sure. Um, you know, I was really looking forward to uh, what was going to come next. Right. So with that, transitioning, I guess, into, so now you're out here. And how does, I guess, weekly, monthly life go as far as being a dad? Uh, how often are you able to see him? Or like, again, without getting into specifics, or I guess uh, what I'm trying to get at is how how often are you able to kind of exercise being a dad? And well, let me, I'm going to back up just a little bit more. Um, so the my first son, Riley, moved moved back when he was two years old. I was here for about a year when my ex-wife, his mother, had another child with another guy. And that situation, we were actually living at this. At the time, we had kind of, like, come to a, a, you know, somewhat of a mutual agreement. We we were living this, like, basically down the street from each other, mm-hmm. um, you know, taking care of the kids, doing what we could, you know, to co-parent as best we could at that age. Um, and anyways, she... Got pregnant, had another kid, and very quickly it turned into the father of that child um, basically left when he was three months old. Mm. And she did stuff where it turned out that, you know, that child needed to be cared for as well, and she wasn't around to do that. And so I was taking care of both my son and my son's half-brother, her other child at the time. And... That child is Preston, my mm-hmm. other son now. And, you know, once again, at the time that that happened, there, you know, it didn't even cross my mind when I was taking my child to, like, say, sorry, you other one can't be with your brother anymore. You know, it was, it was just the natural thing of, well, doesn't have a father right now, so he's going to come be with his brother and me. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's how most people would do it, or do you think that's something special with you as growing up in the type of family that you did? Kind of came back around, yeah. 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 I, I, w- I would say that that is what, you know, because that's the mold that I came from, that that's exactly why, you know, there wasn't even, a, you know, there was no hesitation or there was no, you know, just, I'm, okay, come on in. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, here's a bed for you, here's food, here's clothes, and all right, you're here now. And, uh, and the, yeah, I'm going to go off on a little tangent real quick. Not real tangent, but. No, you're not at all. There's a, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of drama between me and my ch- child's mother and the other man in her life at the time. And, you know, who was around, you know, f- more, you know, for the first two years of my son's life. And, you know, who's the father and who's his daddy and who's 
who's, uh, you know, who's more important emotionally and whatnot. And, you know, a lot of that came down to, there, there's a quote from a book, which I'm not going to get into all of the details behind the book, but it was a novel that I read growing up that I really enjoyed. And there's one character who, his one saying was, let love increase. That, that, that's, he was, it, was, it, was like, it was almost like his answer to everything. Like, mm. let love increase. And, you know, I took that to heart for a lot of things. And, you know, going back, you know, in those times, as trying as, as tough as they were, like, I never had a problem with more children, or I'm sorry, more people loving my children and caring for my children. And, you know, as much as there is conflict and everything else, you know, you know, anytime I see you know, parent people going or parents going through the stepfather and the stepmother conflict of who's more important or fighting or vying for, you know, emotional dominance. It's, it's, you know, let love increase. Like you, you can't go wrong with having more children, more people loving your children. You know, my, my children have more or less grown up with like eight sets of grandparents at one point, you know, <laughs> just like, that's, that's amazing. You know, yeah, you, know wow. what Chris, you know what Christmas is like for yeah. those kids? Like, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And uh so so that you know brings me to now where I have um I'd say I mean unfortunately the you know my youngest Preston's father never did come back around and I've been raising him for the better part of 8 years now. 9 years, he's almost 11 now. Um and without question, I mean he's my son, you know, whether it's a name or legal status or whatever it is like you know everyone ever Everyone, rec- his mother recognized that. Everyone recognizes mm-hmm. that. And uh, you know, it, to me, that wasn't even a struggle. It was just, you know, I mean, I come from a family of mostly adopted, you know, siblings. It's just like mm-hmm. you're you're his brother. Yeah, you're my kid too. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, so unconditional love. Absolutely. For sure, man. So, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm like trying to think of what to say next. Um, yeah, it's such a good story. It it really is. And the few times that I've, you know, I haven't known you that long, but the few times that I have been around you and Preston, I've only met Preston. Um, I can just tell that he thinks the world of you. He adores you, and I can see how you being a parent to him, that kid, the few times that I've met him, like you like when, when you said he was what 10, like, or he acts like he's an adult. He talks like he's an adult. He carries on conversations like an adult. And I, I don't know if I've ever seen that in my life. Like, like he was talking to me and the story that I even tell to, to, to other people is that he was talking to me about being in football and then he was also talking about taking jujitsu and he was telling me that, yeah, um, you know, jujitsu has just been so beneficial because it kind of like when I play football, it puts me in a better mental state. And I'm like, oh, what the yeah, fuck are you taught? Like, holy <laughs> shit, you you like you sound more like you sounded like an adult there and you sound like that. that who puts that together? Like, but your 10-year-old son does. Yep. I, I mean, I was, I, my jaw was dropped. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> sh- I'm sure that, I'm sure that does, for sure. I was incredible. 
And so, you know, going into practical parenting, I guess you could say, like, you know, some of the takeaways I took from the way I was raised or wasn't raised, I should say, is one of the things I've definitely tried to do with both my children is I try to engage them at the maximum level that they can be engaged, you know, whether it's, quote unquote, treating them as an adult. But, you know, it's, it's treating them as an individual is, is what it's like. They, would, they have their own thoughts and their own processes. and. Neither of them are equal, and I don't treat them equally, mm-hmm. as they seem to think is unfair. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, if if they can engage on any concept at, at the level that I do, that's what I engage them on. You know, I'm, you know, I of course as a parent, I still protect them from things that I feel they need to be protected from. But you know, growing up, like I wish I was able to have what we would consider an adult conversation with my parents or my peers about just things like stuff like mm-hmm. i love talking to my children i mean they're they're smart people like children are smart people like i mean i i love engaging in anyone's children like yeah. just you know con, you know thinking about the seeing the way that their minds work and the way that they think about things and like they actually have new perspectives that is, you know where it's just so ingrained in the way we think about things and they say something just randomly like, wow i never I've, thought I've, about it like i've that. never mm-hmm. thought of it yeah. like that and you know i i have those moments all the time just drive you know driving down the road you know we'll talk about politics we'll talk about gender neutral bathrooms mm-hmm. we'll talk about um you know anything that's going on in pop culture yeah. and you know it, it's you know you know i they ask questions and i try to answer them to the best mm-hmm. i can and you know and i think uh that's probably i'm hoping will be one of the most valuable things that they have just you know and, and just at the level that they're at like they're already able to engage the world at a much higher level than i guess a child that isn't able to experience that you know mm-hmm. someone that you know kid that's told you know just go play your video games and go sit in the corner and stop bothering me um do you think that i mean i have I, I guess I have kind of an issue or a complex with myself and my dad. And you had just mentioned this a couple minutes ago. Um, I, but I, I, mine's probably a little bit worse. Um, I sometimes overthink it to where I tell myself, I am so not going to be like my dad. I am not going to do this where I should just be focusing on the things that I should do or am just am doing that's that's good of just me just using common sense and rationale and you know being a good dad just being the best dad that I can be sometimes I do get wrapped up into my own head saying to myself it's it's almost like I have it's almost like they have the cloud of my dad's upbringing of me to where I'm too focused on telling myself what I'm not gonna do instead of just doing trying to like overcompensate in a way yes exactly so do, do you? I, I think we all have those feelings on certain things and certain aspects. I mean, I don't know the specifics between the relationship between you and your father. I, I mean, you know, all things said, like I would say, me and my father had a pretty good relationship. I mean, he was he he had a, you know, he got me involved in wrestling when I was ten years old, and he was you know my biggest fan, take me all around, doing all kinds of things. I was always his buddy when he was, you know, learning to you know that's not learning but fixing stuff around the house, working on cars. Like, I was always interested. I mean, that was just the way my mind worked. So I was always right there next to him, like, learning how to fix things and, you know, 
one thing I'm very thankful for now as an adult, like I can fix most things there are. So that's good. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So, we were, we were just talking about that on yeah, a previous had, episode yeah. about DIY and learning trades and how it's, it's almost like a lost art now. And, and by all means, I'm not saying the relationship with perfect. And he certainly made his fair share of mistakes, which we've, you know, we both recognize and, we've we've had actually had adult reconciliation where he's actually come to me and apologized and asked me for forgiveness for, for certain things that he did as a parent wow um which did a lot to reconcile our relationship um that being said yeah i mean there's definitely things that he did that were not good but i don't think that it, for me personally it didn't become like a cloud thing i mean i guess probably the biggest lie I've ever told myself is I'm never going to yell at my children like my parents yelled at me or my father <laughs> right, yelled at yeah. me because yeah. you've you I mean everyone's been yelled at but my father the Jim Sephardi yell could be quite intimidating or my father could I mean he's my father could be intimidating period like mm-hmm. in a in a very in a soft-spoken way but also in the you don't want to you know incur his wrath or his anger, because that's very true. Like, yeah. it, like, he's just one of those people that you think, like, man, if he ever decided to like really want to do something, it's going to come mm. at you sideways, and you're not going to expect it, and it's going to be the most thought out, like, intricate whatever as possible. Steve, you're nodding your head. Oh, he's, he's just his dad is just a very methodical. Mm. Um, uh, what's the word? He's just he's a very practiced man. He he he's very like ah, I'm even a very engineer minds mindset. It's all you know cause and effect. Here's you know if this happens, this is what's going to happen next, kind of a thing. He mm. Jim's dad kind of tends to take emotion out of the equation for most <laughs> most all decisions that I've seen, and I see that <coughs> emulated in, in Ben and his decisions, especially mm. today in this the little situation that you had. Um, well, we can come back to that maybe, yeah. but the, um, maybe. but, and, and I, and I recognize that and some might even, and believe it or not, my father is actually a very emotional man, yet he can approach things so dispassionately. It's not like, he'll just break it down to the, okay, well, what's going on here? Like, cool. Right. Cal- calm down all the emotions. Okay. Make a list. Let's write this down. What's, what's really the issue here, Ben? What what's really the issue? And unfortunately, he was pretty much always right. <laughs> um, I mean, that's a good thing for most most times. But, but right? not when I'm trying to like get my way with something. Right. <laughs> but like, it can be a bad thing too. <laughs> but but, the, but this is why I want to go see that movie right mm. now, Dad. Mm-hmm. But, no, I guess you're right. Right. But uh, so, do you see yourself emulating some of the things that your dad uh, has <clears throat> instilled upon you? So growing up, like um, I don't know, parenting techniques or mm. tactics that mm. you kind of passed on now to your children. Oh, that works! I'm going to try that. And yes, and no, because I I don't think that the completely dispassionate approach is the way to go. One, because every child is unique, and there's no one right way to raise any single child. You know, you know, you know. One thing I mean, I know my father didn't come up with it, but he would always say. You know, to be understood, first listen, then seek to be understood. I, I think someone, I don't know, someone famous probably said that at some point. Seek Covey or something yeah, like that. Yeah, seek first to understand. Seek first to understand, then seek to be understood. Or right, then seek to be understood. So, same, same thing. To just uh, But, yeah, listen first, mm-hmm. understand, yeah. 
and uh, then make yourself understood. A lot, a lot better communication that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, his you know always just completely removal of emotions. I don't think was going to fit every situation, every child. And one thing. One thing I've learned in my, you know, with my children is because, you know, I do often will take the dispassionate approach. Well, I will just like, just, you know, forget about the emotions. This is why you shouldn't feel that way. So stop feeling that way. And oh. unfortunately, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's okay. that's not how feelings work. And I often felt like sometimes that was like impressed upon me. Like I should just stop feeling that way because I shouldn't feel that way. And maybe I shouldn't have felt that way, but that didn't stop me from feeling that way. And, mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's definitely one thing I've recognized and one thing that I've had, you know, one way that I treat my children differently is so, some of them are more emotional than the others and some of them can take a more practical approach and, you know, as far as rationalizing it and coming to a resolution. Um, and that, sometimes you just have to under, realize and understand that sometimes, well, not sometimes, often you can't reason with emotions. Sometimes you just have to be there just to be there until the emotions pass and then deal with what's next. Um, I mean, we're a product of our environments, you know, for better or worse. So sometimes we just, we, we, you know, uh, unknowingly kind of carry out certain actions or uh, treat certain, certain situations a certain way, because that's not only what we were brought up with, but we've been acting in those ways during those situations our our entire lives. So, even when it comes to parenting and you, you always tell yourself, well, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. But you ultimately end up doing it. But I think also, but it's the recognition though, that we're aware that, that we know what we're doing. I, I, I'm trying to like, like we're very self-aware that it was like, oh God, that's that's so that's so dad of me to do. Like, like, cause cause my dad did that. Like, right, at least right. we're aware. You're aware of it. You, Steve, you're aware of it too, and I am too. And I think that's I think that's an important step though in in recognizing. You know, it, not saying that that it's a these things like when we do those things, those are bad things, or that we shouldn't be doing those things. But just we understand where that came from. Like, oh shit. I did that because I was taught that and I just have been, that's just the way I've been doing it. So doesn't mean again, uh, I can modify it. I can try to change it. But again, at the end of the day, we're self, we're self-aware of where that originated. So I, I don't know if a lot of, I don't know if a lot of parents give thought to their actions. I, I get the feeling that most parents aren't self-aware or, or, or people into, as an individual, in fact, I, I would actually say that's one thing that I try to mold my children to be is to be self-aware mm. to what is influencing their decisions and why they're to question them, you know, why they're doing certain things. Um, and I've been lucky enough to be surrounded by uh, many friends and family who have that same mindset. But also I've encountered many, many more people that don't seem to have that mindset, mm-hmm. um, whether for whatever reason that it happened or how that happens. I don't know. Um, Can you give me like a specific example like of what you're trying to to say right now? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, are you thinking of something specific, Steve? No, I'm, I'm okay. not. I'm just, a- I'm asking. 
Like a specific example of that. Of, of which part? Of my children being self-aware or just of other people? Yeah, like being... other people not being self-aware. Are you talking like the person that walks through the entranceway and then just stands there in the middle of the entranceway that like check their cell phone while like other people can't get around you because they're oblivious to, oh yeah, there's other people that, you know, um, are around? Or are you talking about something different? No, I'm, I'm just talking about the people's approach there i should say the way that parents think about their own parenting or don't think about their own parenting i should say you know you know a lot of i would say i would i i get the sense that a lot there's a lot of like instinctual parents in parenting or it's almost like it's just reactive parenting like you're making mm-hmm. your the next decision based upon something that they did or or whatever, and there's just an ingrained response to whether it's go ask your dad or whether it's, you know, go away or, or whatever it may be, or, you know, sometimes just yelling at your kids. And, and uh. One thing I started to do, or I guess maybe from day one, uh, not intentionally at all, and I don't know if you do this or maybe if it goes away after time, like certain situations that happen with your kid throughout their life, do you ever give yourself like a like a mental report card like hey hey I treated that situation pretty good yeah that was oh, pretty I, good I, I or or yeah time. or or like after like and it's always obviously it's always after the fact of course and, then, and so you're like ah oh, shit man I really should have done this ah fuck you all right god Ugh. all right next time next time next time next time like next. Chris, Kristen and I will have like mental like oh okay so how do you think we handled that yes. situation like when Cora fell yes and then she cried. But both of us didn't do anything. It's like the post game right. when you're watching the yeah. film reel exactly. of of the game, and you're like, ah, the, ah, ah, see, see, see right. what you what we should have done there. Was it we the right decision to let her keep these. crying and get up <laughs> yeah. on her own, or should we have yeah. rushed over to her I, and like should, yeah. picked her up and said, "Oh, it's okay." I should have okay. cut left and ah, right. should, God, cut right and God, that was it. like, do you? I mean, I would say, abs- I mean, for me personally, mm. absolutely. Mm. Like any time that I have felt that. Whatever the situation is, usually the child does something wrong, and if my rea- you know, my reaction would be to yell and then make them feel bad, like and almost like in the when you as a parent get upset about what they right. did, mm-hmm. and then you, based upon the emotions that I'm feeling, then transition to that, and I want them to feel bad too, and then my response causes that, mm-hmm. and then in the moment it feels like. You're parenting, right? You're just right. you're you're reacting and you're telling them what and they you did got wrong. the response that yes. you expected. And yes. then um, like and for me it's almost immediate, like after they walk away, head down to the room uh-huh. and like and then I think about it to myself and I'm like, I just made them feel bad about about disappointing my expectations for them. And that I think, you know, from Ooh. from growing my own childhood, like mm. I hate that, and I don't want my children to have to feel that. Like, I don't want them to ever feel bad about not living up to my expectations or for disappointing me. Because, mm. one, that's a terrible motivation. I mean, I understand that some basic things that can be a motivation for, like, safety and other things. But as, for, as far as, like, training your children on how they're going to make this, you know, make decisions in the future disappointing my parents should not be anywhere on that list. Mm-hmm. You know, 
you know, <clears throat> not meeting their expectations. And, and to me that, that always, like, I would always feel that like instantly, like if I like just explode and like blow up on my children's like, and it's not, you know, you know, my, most people might even think that I'm righteous in doing what, you know, right. telling them what they did wrong and how mm-hmm. they did it. But it's just more or less the emotions that, that I'm, you know, putting on them, like, and then I can back up and then catch myself. Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes, like, I can, like, feel that my own emotions start to rise up where I want to start yelling at them. Then I calm down. And then I start having a rational discussion with my children where then they can recognize the mistakes that were made and what they should have done and other avenues of approaches. And then after that, I'll have another, <laughs> I'll have another mm-hmm. scorecard saying, I did pretty good there. Yeah. <laughs> I feel good. About, I feel good about that one. <laughs> and so it's an interesting thing. It's like, you're still able to have that emotional connection too. Cause you are an emotional being just like your kids mm-hmm. are who make mistakes, right? Just like you who make mistakes, but then you're able to like come back and say, wait a minute. You know that decision was an emotional one. Let's take a look at these other factors here. He's yeah, he's displaying his self awareness. Yeah, exactly. In the like you just said, immediately after they walk away, you have this this self reflection of okay, I can not make this right, but there is another way to approach this. And you went, you go back, and you kind of steer it back in a certain direction. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And, and like I said, my, my, I also have to recognize the differences in my children, the differences, different mm-hmm. ways I respond. And I can tell you, like, I when, wonder when, how many, w- I wonder how many people are like, oh, fuck, I messed that <laughs> well, up. Or, oh, well, or, or, I'll get them next time, <laughs> you know, and they leave it at that. But that, see, that turns, I think almost, that's almost like a pride thing. No, so exactly. when you, that's exactly when what you I'm let saying. it go as a parent, right. you may feel like Ben, the way Ben is feeling on the inside. And you, but, but there's that other side, not saying, you know, you got an angel and a devil on each side of your shoulder, but, but there is the that fact, in that you moment, have that period of yes, reconciliation you, where you, you go mm-hmm. like, okay, I did this right. I probably yes. messed up here. I probably shouldn't have said that. And I, I think a lot of parents would just let it go. I, I, I'm, because you, I because think so too. they would convince themselves. You, well, no, no, I shouldn't feel that. No, right. no, they damn it. Up. I'm gonna, They're I'm gonna just let this go. And here. they, they can stir in their room mm. all they want. Blow, but. I I am not a believer in that either. I I that that is exactly something I feel like what you do that I just I can already see my future now with my son. I can see myself blowing up at him. I could see myself sending him off to his room and immediately going, "Dude, you need to go back and try that again." And 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 I will. I will. I'm not one to just let that go. I would go back. I would have again, yeah, a nice civil conversation and try my damnedest to to just so that we both learn something i mean you, you can ask my children like they can i mean i don't know if they can count i mean i have lost count of how many times i've had to go back yeah. after all the feelings go down like who you know name insert name here right <laughs> i apologize i should yeah. not have yelled at you it, i you know it's not because I was upset about this or that or the other. It's because, you know, I was shouldn't have responded with that emotional response I had. Will you forgive me? And then re- wow. and then readdress the situation. Yeah. How many wow. parents do that? I, my, uh, my dad's a big fat zero to this day <laughs> <laughs> on, on that one. Yeah. And, wow. And and I don't know, maybe if that was something because my, you know, I mean, that happened you, between that me and my own father, yeah. you know, and just the effect that that had. 
And I, I, I'll tell you, as a parenting technique, it's very powerful. Like the results you'll have with the discussion after that versus the, you know, like whatever in, impact mm. you had with just the yelling and telling them no or what they did wrong mm. or pounding them into the dirt and making them feel bad. Like the difference, you know, after that, then all of a sudden they feel better. Maybe I've, you know, soothed my own, you know, consciousness with mm. that too. It's like a win-win. You know, it's, it's, you both you know and... And then after that, it really opens up like real communication and just like real discourse and discussion, um, which, in, you know, once again, by no means are my children, you know, perfect little angels, but, you know, they can certainly have very real discussions and analyze their own motivations and um, even recognize their own emotions. And, you know, maybe not in real time, like, you know, we as someone with a lot more experience can, um, but, you know, and the, and the responses are different, like, between my two children. Like, I know, like, when one of them gets really emotionally worked up, there is no rationalizing or just, you know, calm discussion about it. Sometimes I just need to go over and give them a hug and mm -hmm. hold them until, until you can. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, and you have to be able to recognize that. Absolutely. Everybody's got their own different ways, no matter how old you are, of handling certain situations. And, uh... You know, uh, kids are kids are no different, um, whether if it's bickering with your spouse um, or, you know, having to discipline a child. Everybody's got their own different way of handling things uh, or or if your child gets upset. Yeah. And like you said, there's no there's no sometimes you just you just, yeah, just just hold them. Just let them know that you're there. Um, abs absolutely. Um, I, I guess uh, I don't know if if you had to. If you had to give advice to new parents, um, maybe even people like on our level, me and Steve, you yeah, know, our kids are definitely. about a year in. I mean, we I've already learned so much from you. Seriously, uh, just not only just for, from this conversation, but seeing you interact with your own son. And and I do take those mental notes. He's going to say, "Let love increase." I, that was going to be my that's first note. Is hey, never. I like that saying. Yeah. If there's one thing that I, you know, that I want to leave no doubt in my children's mind is that I love them. It's not, you know, and it's not just the kind of I say it a lot, but also the actions I do and the things that I do show it as well. Because you can have both. You can have someone that says I love you and not do anything to show it, and you can have someone that lives their whole life loving someone by doing, taking care, and never saying it. And I think you need both. You you need to say it, and you also need to learn. You know, I'm, I don't know if you're familiar with like the different love languages, or there's um, I forgot the name of the book, but there there it discusses it discusses how different people show and experience and, and receive love in different ways like for some people it could be quality time for some people it could just be verbal for some people it could be physical touch like a hug could mean a lot more than mm. i love you mm -hmm. for some people it could be um gifts um and those are all legitimate forms but you know you have to recognize what i guess what your child receives and or how your child receives and mm -hmm. gives love um, and then respond to that. And may, it may not be the same one that you have. L luckily for me, like I'm, I'm definitely physical touch and my children are both physical touch. Like we hug each other all the time and, and uh, 
Yeah, so it's that that came naturally for us, so that was good. Yeah. But then I can also recognize with other people in my life, like sometimes just saying I love you or texting I love you doesn't mean anything. Sometimes you need to do something to show it so that they can actually feel it. Um, you know, pay attention to your children. They're telling you something all the time, like whether you know it or not, whether they know it or not, they're telling you something about who they are all the time, um, especially at the age they're at with, with, with both of your children. Um, mm-hmm. Like... Yeah. Like, and then, and I, you know, feel a lot of guilt just for the missing the first few years of my oldest life, because I think those are incredibly important years. Like the bonding you have during those during that time is just so incredibly, you know, it pretty much sets off, you know, sets them up for the rest of their life. Um, oh man! And once again, I, you know, I don't have all the answers. I, you know, I don't. You know, it's a it's a lot of trial and error because yeah. no, nothing I tell you is going to be an exact fit for your children. I mean, all I can tell you is pay attention to them and what they're saying. And and you know, once again, going back to the what I was saying before, is engage with them at the highest level that you can engage with them. At. And you know, obviously your children aren't quite talking yet. So, but once they start talking, man, they soak stuff up like crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's you, you'd be surprised. I mean, I, you've heard those like precocious, you know, four year olds, you know, kids say the darndest things, but they actually right. they, they think and process. They, right. I mean, mm-hmm. on different levels. Mm-hmm. Other pointers. Uh, yeah, I mean. Hey, I think that's great. I was going to say let, it's let already love increase. Yeah, I mean, that's really good. And it's already been a wealth of knowledge for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, keep on doing what you're doing because it seems like you're definitely doing a lot of right things as as far as being a dad goes. Um, So, I mean, I just honestly, I just want to thank you for for coming on to this podcast and sharing your story and your experience. And, you know, it's I mean, yeah, you're you're doing it and you're not doing it. it, You're you're succeeding. Um, You know, at least in my mind. And so. unfortunately, I'm also very critical of myself. I <laughs> yeah. get to see all my mistakes, yeah. and um, it doesn't always feel that way. And it's never going to feel that way because yeah. if you feel like you're doing a good job as a parent, you're probably doing <laughs> something really wrong. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably. Do you think that's maybe like I? I know we were going to close, but I, I. Do you think that's maybe uh, just a, a because it's a different time now that maybe maybe parents maybe dads in particular we are a little bit more not just self-aware but maybe a little bit more critical of ourselves well that's the word i was is, thinking is, We're do you more think maybe critical now yeah i would say so mm-hmm. maybe, maybe because yeah i mean we've seen other generations yeah. of parents I mean, well i mean like, we you know we've all i, I mean I, I don't know if we've all but we have in, at least in my mind, we have the you know the greatest generation, the ones that fought World War II. These were mm-hmm. the very strong, silent type. Yeah. Like they, you know, their way of showing love was by taking you know going to work nine to five, working forty hours, right. taking mm-hmm. care of their families. You know, they showed it through their actions. Right and then, you know, then the, the baby boomers. boomers came along, mm-hmm. the hippie generation, the you know a little more touchy feely, a little more emotional, mm-hmm. and um, then Gen X. Yeah, the hell happened to them? Who knows what's going on with those guys? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you know, and, and I think as you know, I, it's hard to believe this. In my opinion, it's taking this long to realize this, but just how how important, like you know, 
you know, my father pointed this out before. If you if you look at almost every story that comes out of Hollywood in the past however long, it's, it's so many of it is like family reconciliation, a mm. father and a son, a mom and a daughter, brother and sister, whatever. It, it's like it's like all these people are craving love and connection and strong relationships. That is a very good point. Between and and one, you know, one of the often the theme is the father and the son, their father and the child, because the father is always portrayed as the, you know, non emotional, you know, you know, separated. And at by the end of the movie, he's gotten in touch with the emotions and he's able to express his love for his children or however it is. And you know, why and why what causes that? It's because you have all these writers who grew up craving that from their parents. And I'm I'm not saying that all of them had messed up childhood. I'm just saying, but it's just like it, it's something that we all crave and I think need is you know necessary for a healthy uh, psyche or yeah. whatever it may be. That makes total sense. Yeah. I think so. I mean it's it's always it's a really yeah. interesting look on it. Yeah, I haven't thought about it like that before. I mean, but you're yeah. right. There's yeah. a, there are a lot of stories that have that that character arc mm-hmm. of reconciliation with the you know with the parent at the end. It's about their upbringing, mm-hmm. and just like a lot of yeah, not to go into the weeds like that. It's it, almost this like is why the why this is the comic book generation. Why do we think we have these ridiculous effects and and now we we see these things on the TV is because they grew up reading that shit and they've always had that hunger of like, damn it, one day, one day we're going to see that live on the screen. It's not going to be animated. It's not going to be. It is going to be 100 percent. It will look as real as reality itself. And that's I mean, it's it's yeah, they they it's totally a product of what they grew up with and, and what they have strived for uh, emotionally, mentally. So <laughs> there we go. Okay. Cool. <laughs> and with that, uh, so Ben, thank you so much yeah, for, for coming on um, and feel free to come back anytime. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Ben. Let, let love increase. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let us know what you think. Uh, Drop us an email, todaysdadcave at gmail.com. Hit us up anywhere you want to. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, podcast is everywhere now. We are everywhere. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts. Uh, I didn't know. Yeah, we, were, we are already connected to that as well. Nice. So awesome. give us a listen and give us a like. And <clears throat> Share uh, comments. I, there you go. Absolutely. Engage us and we'll engage you. Um, and uh, uh, and for Steve, I am Rick. And uh, until next time, the cave is closed.